2: Welcome again to gamble on the weekly gambling podcast presented by USbetts.com. I'm Eric Raskin us bets managing editor and media director and I'm joined by our senior analyst Pulitzer Prize finalist john Brennan, and we start on a somber note this week as we said farewell to one of the great comic minds of our time on Tuesday, Norm Macdonald, who died of cancer at just 61 years of age. I was a Norm fan since before he even got to Saturday Night Live. I know I'm going to sound like one of those jerks who brags about discovering a rock band before they were famous, um, but, but I love Norm from the first time I saw him doing stand-up a few years before he got to SNL. Uh, anyway, uh, Norm is relevant to our podcast because he was an admitted degenerate gambler who played at the World Series of Poker frequently and did some on-air poker commentary. And here's what he wrote about gambling in his 2016 book. And as for my gambling, it's true I lost it all a few times, but that's because I always took the long shot and it never came in. But I still have some time before I cross that river. And if you're at the table and you're rolling them bones, then there's no money in playing it safe. You have to take all your chips and put them on double six and watch as every eye goes to you and then to those red dice doing their wild dance and freezing time before finding the cruel green felt. I've been lucky end of quote. Uh, John, we share some opinions on comedy, but not all. So I have no idea what your feelings on Norm Macdonald are. uh, But I know for a fact you have a very different approach to gambling than he did. Uh, Any thoughts to share on the late Norm Macdonald?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I, I got to admit that uh, my sister saw Bruce Springsteen play in a small club in North Jersey <laughs> before he was Bruce. And I saw Seinfeld play at Bananas Comedy Club in Fort Lee, New Jersey, before okay. he even had his own TV show. So nice that's my own uh, humble brag there. Um, and honestly, Norm was great. You know? okay. And listening to this week to some of his classic commentaries, like at the White House Correspondent Center, I think 1998 and the SBS around the same time were uh, Bittersweet, uh, not like his Norm is gone, but because comedians can't even tell these jokes anymore, you know. Now if that man not getting away with, you know, viciously racist or angry sexist jokes anymore, that's great. But you know, about ten days after the famous zoo guy risk taker Steve Irwin dies at the hands of a stingray, well, you know, Norm Could and did kind of say out loud what people were really thinking of the irony of it all. Yeah. But we can't do that anymore. Um, anyway, that rant supported. So, uh, as far as the 2016 (laughs) quote you mentioned, yeah, by then, of course, Norm had known for several years that his cancer was spreading and he wasn't going to need to save for a rainy day. It already was raining for him. So now that still wouldn't get me to let it all ride in a long shot like he did, but I'd probably bet a rather large number on a 50 50 play just to see how
2: it felt. Okay. Interesting. Um, it's ah, uh, it's notable that we're uh, just a week removed from having a guest on Gamble on whose Zoom screen name yeah. was Turd Ferguson. Exactly. So, uh, so Norm's legacy definitely lives on. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I just found out yesterday that our boss, Adam Small, got to hang out with Norm in the Bahamas at a poker event like 15 oh, years nice. ago. And nice. uh, and Norm told him that he spends uh, a lot of time reading the forums on Adam's then site, P- Pocket 5. So that's pretty cool. Oh, cool. That's great. <laughs> um, pretty much everyone in the poker community had something glowing to say on social media this week about Norm. Mm. Um, I, I don't usually spend much time on Facebook, but uh, the handful of poker pros that I'm Facebook friends with, they all posted about him um yeah this this is a tough one and uh you know it occurs to me you could have gotten huge odds anytime in the last couple of decades betting on norm's dirty work co-star Artie lang to outlive him that's uh that's definitely an an upset here uh sorry if that uh, crosses over into the uh too soon or tasteless category but so be it uh, in, in honor of uh, of norm mcdonald i think it's okay to make a uh, slightly morbid joke um but uh l- last note i enjoyed this tweet from our colleague jeff edelstein who wrote norm mcdonald battles cancer silently for a decade i get a hangnail and spit out 600 words and bitch about it to my wife what a man <laughs> truly good stuff there from <laughs> jeff
1: yeah exactly well uh we'll definitely miss norm he was uh, kind of a one of a kind and uh he, he had a little bit of the Johnny Carson in him, where the worse the joke was, and the worse it played, and the more silence <laughs> there was in the audience, sort of the funnier it got. Cause he would just sort of look a little desperate and naked out there, kind of uh, verbally. We're like, oh, wait, th- I thought that was okay and not funny now. And then the next one would kill, and everybody's laughing like crazy. So uh, I'd, I'd love that uh, comedic timing, and he'll definitely be missed. Absolutely.
2: All right. Well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 160 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 159 episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all other podcast apps. And uh, speaking of what a man, to use uh, Jeff Edelstein's words about Norm, uh, if I can record this podcast on an empty stomach while fasting on the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, then all of you listening out there can surely take a few seconds to give us a five-star rating and write a glowing review.
1: Yeah, Okay, I'll eat for two today, Eric. Uh, <laughs> and, on some days, and on some days during this pandemic, it looks a little like I really am doing that, unfortunately. <laughs> i gotta got to work on that. Um, coming up a little later in the show, I'm going to be joined by Boom Entertainment's general manager of sports betting products, Chris Farges. Uh, he's going to talk about Boom's free-to-play sports games, the online casino games they design, and even his former career as a poker pro. But first, it's been really only a semi-busy week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in
2: the world of gambling. Our first news story this week is, frankly, something we could have told you many months ago, just without the specific numbers. Uh, But anyway, to the surprise of no one, NFL Week 1 produced record betting volume in the legal U.S. markets. Uh, GeoComply, which provides geolocation for the sportsbooks, tracked 58.2 million online transactions from Thursday through Sunday across all the legal jurisdictions, a 126% increase from the same four-day period at the start of the 2020 NFL season. Uh, This doesn't tell us handle, just transactions. But unsurprisingly, in terms of transactions, New Jersey was number one, followed by Pennsylvania, then Michigan then brand new Arizona, which we'll talk about separately in a few minutes, then Illinois. David Purdom of ESPN extended his reporting to include quotes and information from different sports books. And Johnny Avello of DraftKings told him, quote, it's probably going to be one of our biggest weekends ever. While at the land-based Superbook in Las Vegas, John Murray said Handel was up about 20% compared to last year. And the sports books did very well, incidentally, with underdogs going as high as 12 and four against the spread, depending on which set of lines you used. For what it's worth, John, sports betting handle in New Jersey in September 2020 was $748 million. A 126% increase on that would put September 2021 handle close to $1.7 uh, obviously all the sports the whole month won't increase at the same rate that the NFL did for those four days. But John, if I set the line at $1.2 billion in handle for September, 2021, are you going over or under and any other thoughts on this massive NFL opening weekend?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, first, I think consumer confidence is up uh, tremendously from uh, a year ago in spite of the pandemic not being over Uh, certainly with people who are vaccinated, whose jobs seem stable uh, and I'm ready to have some fun. Um, unvaccinated people, too. Um, I don't know. That's for another podcast to discuss. I think it can be this one. Um, but as for the Jersey September figures, I might move the line to one billion and take the ding-dods for that, because then I can't <laughs> lose. It's definitely going over a billion. Uh, but I'll also go over, uh, have, a, have a take in uh, over 1.2 billion, because I got a little bump from the Ryder Cup golf on September 24th to 26th, too
2: all right so you are going over on that but you prefer if you have to make one bet it would be the more conservative over a billion <laughs> as usual <laughs> yeah that's that's a slam dunk kind of a kind of a wuss move uh, i would say but uh yeah, you know <laughs> but at least you still did give an answer on the, on the line i set. um then we do, uh, we do of course have august new jersey handled to contend with first that's being released today um so we're still a month away from knowing that september handle but i i think everyone can agree it's going to smash all records um i was looking at just the national numbers that the single month national record is 4.6 billion. That was set this past March. It is a foregone conclusion that we're crossing 5 billion in September. And I actually think the over underline nationally should be right around 6 billion. Uh, I I think the record could very well go from 4.6 to over six, uh, just like that. Um, But uh, not, not much to say about the massive NFL betting other than Duh. Uh, you know, it's, it's the most popular sport by a mile, the most popular betting sport by a mile sports betting has had another year to become acceptable to people. We've added several big States that we didn't have at the start of last season and more are coming uh, with uh, New York, maybe Florida, some other smaller ones. We could see another hundred percent plus increase by the first week of the 2022 season. So uh, yeah. Headline here is uh, people like to bet on football games. Who knew?
1: Yeah. and again the numbers I I keep thinking of New Jersey where I swear if I ask somebody who doesn't gamble which is a majority of the people in the state right you know how much do you think New Jersey, so let's say next month they have, how much do you think they bet in September you know in, in total and they I think what they'd say I don't know you know five million ten million <laughs> you know then you kind of say well there's nine million people and and you know a third of them Bad and you know, it's only you know this, and they say, Oh, geez, I, it's got to be what close to 100 million, right? I mean, it's, it, I didn't realize what a huge number it is, and then you tell them, You know, it's over one billion dollars, and it's just it shocks the sensibilities of the average person who doesn't gamble at all. It sort of shocks me who does gamble a little bit, but I can't imagine how much money people risk on uh, not only football but all these other sports. But uh, hey, it is what it is, and obviously, this was going on long before this was legalized, so it was just under the table. But the fact is that, as you say, people do like to gamble.
2: Yes. I'm I'm rooting for this September handle in New Jersey to be like 1.2 billion plus like 50 bucks. So that you made the difference, John, that that <laughs> your willingness to make a few small wagers over the course of the month, but it helped it hit the over.
1: 50 in one month.
2: Uh, <laughs> now I am think, pushing I pushing it? With, I think with the
1: Ryder Cup, I I, I go over there.
2: Yeah, I Yeah, not to mention your are uh, the, the can't lose bets that they already had that I know you took <laughs> advantage of. So. Yeah,
1: that's
2: true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, our second news item is something we mentioned in the opening item. Legal sports betting went live in Arizona last Thursday. There's not a whole lot to say about it other than that it's major news. The 14th largest state now has mobile sports books. At 12.01 1 a.m. on Thursday. DraftKings, FanDuel, and WinBet launched, followed shortly thereafter by Barstool, BetMGM, Caesars, and Unibet. Uh, Interestingly, DraftKings' official first bet taken was $10 on Tampa Bay plus 73, which means the customer didn't understand what a total giveaway this was, failing to bet the $50 max. Come on, even John Brennan does that. Uh, Turning again to GeoComply data, they reported that in Arizona, more than 271,000 new sportsbook accounts were created and accounted for more than 6.1 million bets during the first four days of the NFL season, an average of 22 and a half bets per customer. Uh, this might be a quick news item, John, because it's so straightforward, but uh, anything to add about the Arizona launch?
1: It's true. Even I bet the 50 dollars maximum. from I me. Mean, come on. Do we have a name on that person only bet $10? I mean, <laughs> take out a, a payday loan for God's sake for the other $40 yeah. if you don't have it. And those predators might shop your $50 one and win half. That's better than winning only 10 bucks. I mean, geez, that's that's just brutal. Uh, and wait, 22 and a half bets per new customer on one football weekend. And every new player that only dabbles with two or three plays has to be counted with somebody making way more wagers than 22.5. Yikes. Uh, I'm just going to, convince myself these are in-game micro bets so instead of hundred dollars on the point spread they make a dozen in-game gambles on two different games and there we get to the 22 and a half
2: yeah, I'm sure in-game betting is a lot of it. But, uh, you know, 22 and a half, it's still, uh, you know, fewer than two bets per game. So uh, it's really not that bad if, if you just think of people as being interested in putting something on every single game. But uh, anyway, uh, not not much else to say here, except uh, that the books uh, might not have had as good a hold in Arizona as in other states in week one, if people were betting on the Cardinals, uh, although uh, football is a sport where people – like to bet on any game any team more so than the other sports uh you know in in baseball or uh, hockey uh, often a casual fan or better is only familiar with the local team but nfl people bet everything uh Mm. but anyway uh welcome arizona The West is opening up. Uh, Washington State and South Dakota both took their first bets as well. Retail, that is. Uh, You have Montana, Wyoming, of course, Colorado, plus Nevada. Uh, The West is now approaching the Northeast in terms of the map filling in. And now now it's really the middle part of the country that uh, has a lot of gaps in it. But uh, but those are going to get filled, too, for the most part.
1: Uh, Yeah, I've said before, interesting how it's followed the casino map where, you know, who gets going. I guess the weather in the Northeast is kind of daunting and that, that gets them into... Gambling sooner or something, but uh, and the Midwest is kind of traditional, and they don't know about this dicey money risking thing or something. And you know, I've always said that uh, you know, having spent a lot of time out west, you know, a year of my life at least. Uh, yeah, there's so much open space and things to do out there, and you know, you can't even get cell service even in 2021, and a lot of the best places to hike out there. So uh, I think that slows down the the zeal for uh, legal gambling, but uh, uh, it's it's all coming. You know, resistance is. Futile and everybody's gotta kind of just realize that.
2: Exactly. All right. Our third story this week focuses on something you covered on njonlinegambling.com, John. Some fiery comments from New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement Director David Reebuck about sportsbook marketing and advertising. During a panel Monday called The Do's and Don'ts of Advertising and iGaming." Gaming, Rebuck said, quote, For the first two years of online gambling in New Jersey, I made my staff review and approve every promotional plan that was going to be offered to customers. It was overwhelming. Do I have to go back to what I did in 2014 and 2015 and even into 2016 and say, sorry, companies, no promotions unless it is first approved by the state of New Jersey? That would be a very challenging responsibility for the state. But if I am forced to, you're going to do it. Uh, He added, we understand that there are business needs and they want to attract people and they want to be creative, but it is incumbent on the company to understand that if they act unchecked, it will be checked, but checked in a way you won't be happy with and much different than the way it is today, end quote. That sounds a bit like something out of one of the many great mob movies that you haven't seen, John. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, do you know, John, if Reebok is talking about promotions, advertisements or both? And and what insights can you provide on, on where Reebok is coming from here and why he's so fired up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it seems to me that David's bugbear from day one of this has been the cheesy advertisements that he considered very misleading. And yes, the promotions are really part of that. I think anything that gives off a vibe that not only is the promotion a sure winner, but gambling in general is really easy. You know, it's not just fun. It's easy. You make money. It's a profit center for you. Uh, that gets his goat or his bugbear or both. Um, now, I'm not convinced that Dave Rebuck 2.0 is any different from Rebuck 1.0, who I referenced in my article from 2018 in his comments were he smacked down any notion that European bookmakers might've had at their tradition of, Hey, that line was a mistake and you'll get nothing and like it. Which was going to fly over here. This goes back to that 2018 Broncos Raiders game where they, they put up a, a faulty line because one team was about to get the game winning field goal and they didn't adjust for it in time. And somebody jumped on it and they initially tried to say, uh, or FanDuel did, it, I guess, um, gee, uh, we, we didn't mean that. So never mind. Yeah, that didn't work. So, I will say, coincidence or not, there was a different attorney general as Reebok's boss Boston between those two shots across the bow. And now that AG has left to go work for President Biden. So maybe uh we hear more from Dave and that would be really good.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he certainly when he opens his mouth, uh, interesting things come out and give you good things to write about, that's for yeah, that's sure. Um, <laughs> um, I was wondering if maybe this rant was inspired by the Caesars sign-up bonus that just mm-hmm. came out a few weeks ago with the five thousand dollar risk-free bet. Uh which is just a massive amount and encourages people to go bigger than they're comfortable going. And of course, it is not risk free. Uh, What it is, is a guaranteed second chance. But, you know, if you take your shot and lose, then your bet is refunded as site credit and you have to bet it again. And if you lose a second time, you're out five grand. So that that might well be what Reebok saw and said, I guess we have to start approving every promo because these operators are going too far. I'm not, I'm not sure if you got any ind- indication, John, if that's what was on his mind, but that's the thing that stands out most to me.
1: Well, I said back so, and I, I noted to it a little bit, but uh, uh, that uh, rebuck had said that uh, State Senator Lesniak, uh, Ray Lesniak, has been in touch with him. And he says, he says, uh, uh, Ray has me on speed dial. And the importance of that is that obviously it's easy to ignore someone who's anti-gambling in general. So they're going to complain about everything about it. And they may be legitimate complaints, but you figure, I know where that's going, right? Uh, you know what's happening. Here, Lesniak was the guy who got online poker and online casino into New New Jersey. He got sports betting to New Jersey. He got the case going, the federal supreme court thing. The whole reason we're doing the damn podcast is Ray Lesniak. And yet he is calling Dave Reebok uh, you know, often and saying, I can't believe this stupid ad. This is this is terrible. This is not this is not good for anybody. And so right. I think that's definitely the the best cautionary note for the industry that look, this guy supported you he made you you're here because of him so he's retired now but he's still paying attention and if he is annoyed and and uh concerned about the tone of some of the advertising you might want to think twice about it and obviously Dave Reebok has the the clout to to come down pretty hard he's got a lot of uh leeway here and also of course states around the country tend to follow New Jersey's lead so uh they're dipping into some semi-dangerous territory and I think he's done the a favor by kind of giving them this warning because they're going to have to look seriously at this because if you piss them off a little further uh, as he says you might not like the result
2: so I'm going to focus on the least important thing that you just said which is that that Reebok said that Lesniak has him on speed dial which is the (laughs) surest way to give away your age because speed dial does not exist it's called contacts in your cell phone everybody's on speed dial if you have their number that's speed dial Uh, if I said the word speed dial to my kids i am guarantee they'll have no idea what it means so uh, that is definitely a, an older generation thing to say someone has you on speed dial
1: yeah i guess when i say that it's like it's like a needle off the record for a lot of listeners yeah. <laughs> right
2: yes what's a record what's a needle what are you talking about <laughs> honestly now most of them would be like what's a cd what is this what's a, what is that so uh, well the world keeps changing down nothing we can yeah. do about it it's time
1: to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling
2: Let's get to the Gambleon Interview. Sports betting and mobile casino customers are well familiar with the outward facing brands, MGM, DraftKings, Golden Nugget, etc., but they're not always aware of the companies behind the scenes developing the games. One such company is Boom Entertainment, which has created sports related games like the NBC Sports Predictor app, as well as casino games and such recognizable names as Rush Street Interactive and Golden Nugget recently signaled their support by investing in Boom. Joining us now is the general manager of Boom Entertainment's sports betting products division, a former DraftKings sportsbook director, Chris Farges. Chris, welcome to Gamble On.
3: Thank you guys for having me. I've been a fan of the show, as I was mentioning before we got started, since, uh, since you guys got started. So it's fun to be on, and I look
2: forward to chatting. You're you're a completist. You've heard all 160 episodes. If we I if can. we ask you a bunch of trivia <laughs> questions, you're you're bound <laughs> to know the answers.
3: <laughs> well, I'm quite busy with Boom and I have a five-year-old, so I cannot, I cannot tell a lie. I have not heard all 160.
2: <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, so the NBC Sports Predictor app is Boom's headline product at the moment, at least in terms of the sports side of things. How valuable are apps like this, free-to-play games, in building customer bases in, in states where sports betting is not legal yet? And have you found that the use of these games rises or falls in a state once that state does begin to allow legal sports betting?
3: From everything that I've seen and my experience in the industry, everybody knows that the database is king in terms of customer acquisition. And what I wanna point to, to sort of underscore that and and to underscore how important these free-to-play games are for these bigger companies is everybody's doing it now. When DraftKings launched in twenty eighteen, you know, some people were messing around with it, but it was not pervasive that all of these real money companies had this focus on free to play gaming. And if you look now, you know, the DraftKings pools product, which is something that I worked on while I was at the company, is a major part of, of the company's product offering. It's a big part of the marketing that it does around major events. It's really become a big part of what the company's putting out there. FanDuel has, you know, a free games hub. You see companies like Bally's going and doing acquisitions, getting sport collar, you know, into their portfolio. So in the, in the last two or three years, I've really seen a trend where it's gone from free to play being sort of an afterthought to now something that, you know, basically every major provider is moving towards having a, a free to play sports solution. And it's exactly what you said. It is a device to get a database going for customers in both in jurisdictions where there is sports betting, but more importantly, to your point, in places where, uh, you know, the, the online gambling stuff is not legal yet. Okay.
2: So so yeah, and then about that that second part of then when it does go legal, how how does that seem to impact the, the use of the, the free-to-play app?
3: You know, we only have uh, we only have the data that we have, so it's a small sample size, but we haven't seen any meaningful drop-off in the states that allow sports betting. And I think when I look at that fact, to me, it signals that there still is a real opportunity to cross-sell those very casual customers from a free-to-play product into a real-money sports betting product. And that is one of the themes and one of the things that I'm focusing on at Boom is to focus on that casual sports fan cohort and try to take a guy who maybe plays in a fantasy football league at work or does a March Madness pool once a year, but isn't a bettor, to take that customer and create a sports betting experience for real money that is simple and accessible for that person and fun.
1: Yeah, Chris, I know your your CEO, Steve Murphy, uh, uh, said in a recent interview that uh, he thinks that down the road, um, sports betting will go the way of slot machines. And that kind of intrigued me, even though I don't quite know for sure what it means. And maybe the audience doesn't know for sure either. So uh, can you elaborate on that? Where is uh, sports betting going?
3: Sure. Um, I think there are two parts of this quote that I'll um, pick up. One is about distribution and the other one is about product. On the distribution side, um, what you see in digital, you know, slot gaming and, and, you know, digital casino is the, you know, the, the majority of the games are third party created, right? You have companies like IGT out there creating these um, slot machine content. And then the operators you know, uh, strike deals with those third-party companies. And that's how the distribution of the slot content um, happens for the most part. Um, we see this model also emerging for sports betting. And I think what's driving this is um, not all of the sports betting operators and the companies behind those operators are technology companies, you know, just frankly speaking, some of them are obviously DraftKings and FanDuel and some others do come from technology, you know, are technology companies by breed, but a lot of the major operators are either marketing companies or they are, you know, casino companies that, uh, you know, where their expertise is in hospitality and physical casino stuff. And so I think there's an opportunity for, um, particularly for those companies that are not technology natives to uh, partner with uh, boom on uh, sports betting concepts in the same way that uh, many of these real money operators partner with third-party vendors for slot content mm-hmm. so that's the distribution angle yeah. um, and we're hard at work uh, getting that going and and you know talking to partners about getting that into the wild and that's very exciting it's something that we, Feel like we're really innovating on and, and you know, either the first or among the first to consider that setup. So that's the distribution angle. And then on the product side, think about, you know, a hundred years ago or whenever they first built slot machines, think about what that first slot machine looks like. And now make a path over those hundred years to what you can get right now, you know, sitting here in New Jersey booting up one of these online casino apps the offering is really quite amazing in terms of the the depth of the titles that there are all kinds of different branded titles and zombies and fairies and everything (laughs) you could ask for. Right. Um, And they're also, you know, the, the other part of that evolution is that it's gone. The slot machine has gone from a physical product that was a relatively simple machine to now obviously being very complex you know, computer programs that rely on these very sophisticated random number generators, and they have all these crazy animations in the visual design. And it's a very sort of complicated product that has a lot of different options. And when I look at the sports betting landscape, I don't really see that innovation having happened yet in digital sports betting. You know, I live in New Jersey, like you do, John, and, uh, you know, I bet. And, I, you know, I think there are 20 apps or maybe 20 plus here in New Jersey. And frankly, they all look the same. And frankly, the product offering is more or less the same across all of these, you know, all of these different apps from all of these different companies, all different product engineering teams working hard on them. The result is that, frankly, they, they really all look very similar. There is not a ton of product innovation going on in the sports betting space, true product innovation, Um, you know, uh, the product roadmaps for these companies right now generally look like, number one, get launched in every state that you possibly can. And by the way, that's for sure the right thing to have at the top of your product roadmap. (laughs) And number two is often you know, copy features that other books have that we've seen be successful. You see this right now with same game parlays where, you know, when, when we first launched in 18, pretty much nobody had it. And now it's become the hot thing. You know, a couple of operators have, have had it going for a little while and it's proven to be successful. You see it as a big part of marketing campaigns and now everybody has to have it. So from all of that, where does boom fit in? We are here to do the truly innovative product development work and product discovery work in the sports betting space. Pretty much the reason that I took this job was this opportunity to really innovate. And I have some ideas. Um, You know, you mentioned Steve, he's got some great ideas. There's a few other folks at the company. And um, a big part of my work over the first few months that I've been here has been exploring these innovative sports betting concepts and starting to put visual designs together for them and starting to get engineering teams working on building these concepts. So, you know, it's still early days. I've only been here for a few months, but we've made really good progress on some of these concepts. And uh, we're really looking forward to the opportunity to start to pitch some of these to our operator partners. And, you know, the, the parallel really is there to the slot machine game where, There's no reason why, uh, you know, several years from now, the way that you have a menu of slot content right now at an operator, most of which is third party content, we expect that there will also be that for sports betting.
2: So I don't imagine we'll get you to uh, explain all of the innovative ideas that you actually are starting to uh, bat around in the brainstorming uh, sessions on the podcast right now. You're You're probably still keeping those a little close to the vest.
3: Uh, There is some secrecy and some IP around some of those ideas, but um, we're eager to get them out there and we're eager to start talking to partners about them and, you know, get technology integrated and get those concepts into the wild.
1: Cool.
2: Um, so I'm going to shift topics completely with with my next question. Um, I know you're a former pro poker player. Uh, it appears your tournament caches came between 2003 and 2010. Uh, and also that you played not just Hold'em, but a lot of the other games as well. What led you to stop playing professionally, Chris? What Was it a Black Friday thing?
3: Eric, you are dating me.
2: <laughs> Don't blame me, blame Poker DB.
3: Yeah, so let me set the scene for you So I, I always make this, this sort of intro when I'm talking about the poker world Which is, this, we're talking about 20 years ago now that I really started playing seriously And it was completely different back then um, The opportunity to make money was incredible back then There was no content that was any good out there there were no solvers or whatever this crazy technology that all these modern players are using we were all learning by the seat of our pants and the second thing that's different is the involvement of the casual players at that time this was before this is basically when you could see ads on tv for real money poker sites or ads on the internet for real money poker sites us facing and people could just sign up with your credit card and um, so, it's a very different environment when I got involved in the poker world. I played professionally for several years. I think there were two drivers of my getting out of that line of work. The first one was I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. It was fun, you know, in your 20s to travel around and meet some other smart people and play this game for a living. Um, but there was a point in that arc where I said to myself, I really don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And I think my time is running out to sort of get a straight job with this resume that I have into my middle twenties. So that was one driver. The other one candidly is that it started to get harder. Mm. I was playing, you know, high stakes and there was a period of time where there were a lot of casual guys just giving it away in those games. And then towards the, the, towards the middle of, the sort of first decade of the 2000s, I really saw it change. The games really tightened up and it became harder to make money. And, you know, candidly, that was uh, another driver of my getting out of it. I don't think that I am some poker savant who is, you know, in the top 10 in the world or anything like that. I think, you know, I think I was a good player and I worked hard at it, but there was a limit to you know, what you could earn in those games once it started to get harder. And I think that has really continued, you know, after I left the scene.
2: And do do you still play at all casually or your poker is not really a part of your life at all these days?
3: Mostly I don't play. There's a couple of online events, you know, that some friends of mine will come to New Jersey. So it becomes more like a social thing and I will play when they're playing. But honestly, I played a lot when I was playing for a living (laughs) right, Um, and I kind of got burned out on it. And um, I have other gambling pursuits that I'm working on that are energizing me and making me feel, you know, creative, but poker is not that for me anymore.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, you know, uh, Chris, uh, mobile sports betting is getting all the headlines. It's been legalizing in half the states already, and half of the other half are getting pretty close to it. And unlike Casino, uh, while we both have it in New Jersey, uh, and Eric also has it in Pennsylvania, uh, in many states uh, have sports betting but not online Casino. Uh, first of all, I, I find that rather bizarre, especially to the extent that lawmakers want to raise tax revenue. New Jersey gets a lot more money from online Casino than they do mobile sports betting in spite of all those headlines. So uh, I'm, I'm wondering about your company, it seems like you're fairly well diversified. That mobile, whether mobile sports betting or online casino becomes the long term king. You're in good shape either way. But I wonder if you either uh, would prefer to see one of them, uh, you know, rise up even further, uh, and or why do you think states have legal sports betting and not online casino? It is bizarre,
3: right? I mean, for us in the industry, you think about it every day. It, it definitely is bizarre. I think it is a remnant of the sort of morality of gambling in this country. And frankly, I think sports betting is sort of more accepted as something that lawmakers and, and you know people in government would bring to their state. And I think that's a big effect of, of sports spreading more quickly than casino. Um, we're still so early in the industry in the US. And I do think that both of those business verticals will open up in more states. I mean, it's obvious that it's going to happen in sports, but I'm hopeful that states will see what you, you know, what you mentioned, John, that there is significant tax revenue from the casino products. And, you know, and I, I hope that states will approach responsible gambling, you know, responsible gaming. Within those initial efforts to get uh, these games going in their states, I think that's very important. In terms of boom, you know, the most important thing, one of the most important things for us is to be flexible. We are a small enough company that we can remain flexible and see how these trends play out and see which states, you know, come online and sort of uh, tailor our um, licensure roadmap towards the best opportunities. And it also goes for product development. Um, You know, if we are seeing the best return on on our investors capital from the free to play vertical, we're going to put resources there. That's historically been, you know, over the past couple of years, that's where we've seen the best returns. We are now expanding into these real money verticals, and we're certainly hopeful that those will also produce, you know, really positive revenue streams for the company.
2: Fascinating stuff. It's been really interesting talking to you, Chris. I appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. Any, anywhere you can direct people to if they want to learn more about Boom Entertainment, where they should go?
3: Uh, We are at booment.com, B-O-O-M-E-N-T, if you want to learn about the company. If you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at C. Farges. You can find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to message me about anything, whether it's Boom related or just saying (laughs) hi.
2: Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks again for coming on uh, Gamble On. Great chatting, guys. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks a lot.
1: Two men. Two
2: men. $10,000.
1: Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll
2: get to the Fast Five shortly. But first, let's update our betting bankroll. And it was a very good week for us, thanks largely to a bet I placed about five weeks ago, which I wouldn't have placed if not for the guidance of our boss, Adam Small, who pointed me toward number two seed Daniil Medvedev to win the U.S. Open at plus 550 odds. We put $50 on Medvedev and his straight set win over Djokovic in the finals, locked in a much needed extra $275 for our bankroll. Uh, Adam, you get a finder's fee on our pretend money there. Uh, As for last week's bets, uh, my three-team six-point teaser bet was interesting. We teased the Rams down to one and a half, easy cover. The 49ers down to one and a half, an easy cover for about 57 minutes of the game that turned very scary, but still did end up a cover, and the Bucks down to minus two on Thursday night. That ended up a push when the Bucks kicked a game-winning field goal, which means the three-leg tease gets priced like a two-leg tease, and our $100 bet wins us $91 in profits instead of $140. Uh, meanwhile, John, you split your two bets. Uh, Michigan minus seven, one with plenty of room to spare. That's a $100 profit. But the Mets let you down, uh, as they have every year since 1986. Sorry, <laughs> I-, I had to take my shot. Uh, so, the- <laughs> so that's a $105 loss on that one. We have some serious MLB season long sweats nearing their end, but I think we can wait another week to break those down. Although I will quickly mention because I looked it up just before we started recording, we have the Dodgers under 103 and a half wins. They're on pace right now for. 103.5 exactly. Uh, and we have the Pirates under 60 and a half wins. They're on pace right now for 60.3. So, uh yeah, we have some sweats awaiting us. Uh anyway, all in all, we won $361 on the week. So, we're now just $369 behind our starting stack. We also have $1647 on hold in futures bets which leaves $7,984 available to bet with this week. And you're up first, John.
1: All right, I'm going to go with the Giants even money on Thursday over the Padres for 100 units at minus one and a half runs. No, this is not so much a play on Giants starter Kevin Kaussman, who has frankly lost a little bit of luster in recent weeks. No, this is a play against the Padres' bullpen game Mm -hmm. when they have very few healthy pitchers left. Uh, Somebody in some inning is going to take the beating we need.
2: Yeah, as a as a Phillies follower, I've gotten all too used to the bullpen game, not not enjoying those. And uh, you're right. The Giants become a solid favorite because of it. Uh, Okay, Um, so you don't have to get all your season long bets in before the season starts. Uh, I'm going to make an NFL futures bet now after week one. Chandler Jones of the Cardinals had five sacks in week one against the Titans five. That's crazy. Uh, so he has a three sack lead on his closest competitors one week into the season. Uh, Draft Kings has updated its pricing since before the season on, on who will finish the season with the most sacks and Jones is now the favorite, but he's still plus 600. Um, I'm surprised it's that high. I like that price a lot because yeah, it's only one game. It could be fluky except with Jones, it's not, I mean, five in one game is certainly fluky, but him cons- consistently getting to the quarterback is not. From the 2015 season through the 2019 season, his sack totals each year were 12 and a half, 11, 17, 13, and 19. Uh, then he missed most of 2020 with a biceps injury. Will teams look to double him off this performance? Well, he has JJ Watt as a teammate, so they can't really do that. Um, if he stays healthy and has just an average season by his standards the rest of the way, say 13 more sacks, he's going to be tough to catch with that three sack lead already. So I love this price. Let's go $50 to win 300 that Chandler Jones gets the sack title.
1: Yeah, I like it all. This is one of the NFL official data ones where uh, if you don't have it, I mean, it's a sack. It wasn't a sack. He's sort of running forward. It doesn't, you know, I always like the idea that if you, stop the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage is a sack no matter what. But now I think what they do is if the quarterback is scrambling and he moves forward about five yards, gets within one line, one yard of the line of scrimmage. I think that's not a sack, but that gets a little complicated. So, yeah, well, there were, I
2: you remember that. there was that incident with I think it was Goff last year uh, that that basically swung a whole DFS right. uh, event where they was ruled a sack initially. And then they said it was he never uh, attempted to pass. It was a designed quarterback run and therefore it wasn't a sack. <laughs> so you're right. This this could well come down to uh, a scoring decision uh, one way or the other. But I, I, I love that three sack cushion we have right now.
1: Yeah, do we need depositions on? Uh, yes, I'd like to testify under oath that this was a run play. We have the playbook <laughs> right here. I mean, uh, yeah, that's crazy. But anyway, I'll move on. Uh, okay. Give me the under on the Giants versus football team game on Thursday night. Uh, yes, I shopped around and got a mere 105 to win 100 under 40 and a half points on points bet a Heineken or I'm sorry, Heineke, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that quarterback has little NFL experience and running back Antonio Gibson has a sore shoulder. That makes me wonder how much he'll play, even though officially, supposedly he's fine after like three or four days. I'm not convinced of that. The Giants scored seven points in 59 minutes and 50 something seconds in their opener against Denver. And I don't see much better for them against this front seven.
2: All right. An under bet. So uh, the the way to uh, root for it is not to watch, yeah. right?
1: Uh, well punters <laughs> are your friend as well
2: though. right okay um so uh, my second bet uh will be on that same game and uh, after mm-hmm. i made a bet on chandler jones to open um i'm going with a different jones uh although my bet is against that jones it's for that mm-hmm. jones to struggle that's uh daniel jones of course i'm talking about i'm betting on him to throw at least one interception in this game against the football team uh the best price i found is minus 158 which is not spectacular, admittedly. If you just do the math based on past performance, in 27 career starts, Daniel Jones has thrown at least one interception in 15 of them. So that's 55.6% of the time, which would mean based on that a minus 125 price would be fair. And I'm about to pay minus 158. But I'm okay with that because A, He didn't throw an interception last week, so he's kind of due. And B, he's up against Washington with maybe the best pass rush in the league, very good defense overall. They managed one pick last week against Justin Herbert. They had 16 interceptions last year, which was tied for fifth in the NFL. So I think in this situation, against this defense, I'm fairly confident that the extremely mediocre Daniel Jones will find at least one unintended Washington receiver. Let's bet $79 to win 50 on that player prop. Yeah, and we'll celebrate that one right around midfield to try and uh, double up here. There we go. (laughs) All right. And we finished the show with the fast five. And this is not something I've been able to say a whole lot over the last two seasons, but I am currently in the lead. Uh, We had two shared picks last week. Green Bay, which lost horribly, and Denver, which won comfortably. I swept my other three, despite the aforementioned scare at minus seven and a half in the Niners game. Uh, so I went four and one on the week. John, you went two and one on your other three, winning on a couple of dogs that won outright, but uh, losing a close one with the Pats. So you're three and two. Uh, certainly a positive way to start the season for both of us. And you pick first this week, John.
1: All right. Well, you know, three and two is a really good week, as always. My mantra, and I'll stand by it. I'll look at it that way. And, all right, you know, Saints minus three at Panthers. I was positive I'd pick against the Saints this week because they're not really that good in spite of eviscerating the Packers. But oddly, both the Saints and the Packers week two point spread seem to have completely ignored week one. I'm surprised by that. And in the case of the Saints, maybe it's even gone the other way. Uh, minus three at Panthers. It's a trap, I presume, yet I'm going to wander it anyway. Uh, next is uh, Bears minus two and a half against the Bengals. Uh, it's the only two and a half point spread of the week on Westgate compared to six minus three and a half. Scary. Uh, I love Joe Burrow, but if the Bengals aren't better than the Vikings, Then I don't know. Uh, Bears defense is for real, and they can go with their better quarterback in the second half, whoever that may be, and win and then cover. Uh, Bills minus three and a half at Dolphins. Yes, I'm hooked. And Tua finds a way as a dog and the Dolphins find a way as home dogs. But the Bills are on a mission, so I ignore the warning signs again. Uh, Broncos minus six at Jaguars. Deer in the headlights look for both a head a head coach and a quarterback does not strike me as a winning formula in Jacksonville. And finally, the Falcons plus 12 and a half points at Buccaneers as my lone dog of the week in spite of the week one results. Uh, Matt, Matt Ryan is not so much Matty ice anymore as much as he is Maddie covers double digit spreads. A uh, garbage time option is on the table as a cheap alternative to being competitive. And uh, I still get the cover.
2: Very interesting picks. And uh, we have our first head to head of the season. In fact, we will have two head to heads this week. Nice. So uh um, And and it's interesting that you picked four favorites uh, because I've got four dogs on my card, uh, which accounts for some of our head to heads. Um, And I'll start right out with one. I like the Panthers plus three at home against New Orleans. Um, the, The Saints just stand out to me as a team that isn't nearly as good as they looked in week one. It's hard to get as up for the next game after you blow out Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They're on the road. The Panthers are feeling frisky at one and zero. I think they might be wondering if they just might be able to contend, even though all they did was beat the Jets. But still, um, they have Christian McCaffrey healthy again, and you tend to at least keep games close when you have a weapon like him. So I think this is going to be a close game. I like the other side. I like Carolina getting three. Um, Next up, I took a. 12 and one of those 12 and a half point spreads, but not the same one as you. Um, I see the Browns are favored by 12 and a half over Houston that's just too many points for a Cleveland team that, yeah, they're good. They're much better on paper than the Texans, but they don't blow teams out. Too many holes, too many flaws. They they don't dominate games from wire to wire. Last year they only won by more than 12 and a half twice all season, and in both cases they barely did so winning by 14. That was their largest margin of victory all season was 14. I think this Texans team, they proved they're not quite as hopeless as everyone expected. I cannot see them winning this game, but I definitely do see them keeping at under 12 and a half Um, next up is uh, our other head to head. I'm taking another underdog that I don't think is getting any respect. The dolphins plus three and a half at home against the bills. I mostly just like that I'm getting the hook here. Uh, and, and you alluded to that when you, when you took the Bills, the three and a half. You know, if it was two and a half, I wouldn't take it. But three and a half against a Bills team that might just be questioning themselves a little bit. You know, the Dolphins just went to New England and won. They're a well-coached team. I think this should be a tight game. So give me the points. Um, my fourth underdog. Uh, Once again, an AFC East game, famous last words here, but give me the J E T S jets, jets, jets at home against the Pats. I just like the line. This one opened at three and a half, which was maybe a little too short, but uh, the line has moved a lot and the Patriots are now favored by six. So the jets are getting six points in the official super contest lines. I really like all those points. It is rookie quarterback against rookie quarterback. Um, The Pats couldn't blow out Miami at home in week one. I don't see them blowing out the Jets on the road in week two. And for my last pick, I'll finally take a favorite, and I will even give up the hook to do so. Give me Arizona minus three and a half at home against Minnesota. The Vikings looked in week one like that team that doesn't want to be here. Um, I'm sure there's some division in their locker room over their quarterback being anti-vax. Maybe I'm reading into it, but I think they're just not quite all on the same page. They let the Bengals steal one. They're up against another blossoming young quarterback this week in Kyler Murray. Um, I'm going to take the cards to cover, even though I hate being on the wrong side of the field goal victory. And that will do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Chris Farges. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore Bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, John, please take us out.
1: Well, you know, the Dania Beach uh, Highlight Front Town in South Florida is closing this fall. It's owners announced that Wednesday. That leaves only a couple of other frontones in that area, I believe, before the sport disappears, perhaps forever in the United States. Uh, You know, for those of you uh, unfamiliar with watching television with no cable channels, with no remote control, riding in cars without seatbelts, enjoying all the sports activities you wanted as a youth, but absolutely no adult supervision and being completely untethered from your jobs the moment you leave your office. Well, this ideal form of gambling is about to become yet another thing you were deprived of just for the sin of being born too late to this world. I enjoyed so many trips to the Highlight Frontons in Bridgeport and Milford, Connecticut, betting quinellas and screaming indignities at athletes who don't speak a <laughs> word of English as they're from the mountainous Basque region between Spain and France. Uh, this was the only chance in the 1980s outside of Nevada to bet legally on humans, unless you're County jockeys, and I don't in this case. Uh, now, for those doomed to be forever unfamiliar, think of racquetball, but like double or triple the length of the court, and it's narrower. And instead of a racket, the players have long cestes, cestas, C-E-S-T-A-S, cestas, uh, basically extremely long baskets that extend from around their wrists uh the games are seven or nine points with a round robin format of about eight teams so one plays two the winner plays three the winner there plays four and so on and round in circles it's complicated and passionate and americans hate the fact that the foreign athletes don't make heroic if impossible efforts to chase down a tough return they know when they have a chance and they know when they don't uh it's controlled chaos for gamblers and it's not even that controlled really but uh it was glorious <laughs> Uh, and I loved it. So, and you missed it probably out there. So with that, until next time, everybody gamble on.